Well, I'd like to direct your attention to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. While you're turning there, I need a disclaimer. I'll get this disclaimer out. Last week, I was reminded that our Tuesday night is only supposed to be about an hour. And I think I got a little long-winded last week. Um, and I really am trying to be, I really am trying to be a little bit more conscientious, but I really had to, I really had to unburden my soul last week. But nonetheless, we have some important things to talk about tonight that's going to be a blessing to you. But uh, I'm going to do my best to be a little more conscious of time. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Oh, on Sunday we have an evangelist, Brother David Puentes from Stockton, California, will be preaching here. And then uh, a week from this coming Sunday, Brother Paul Elder from Pueblo, Colorado will be here. And so we're going to have a great time uh, here in the next little week. I'm excited about July. I'm not even pre- I don't think I'm even preaching a Sunday in July. We have missionaries. We have... I'm really excited about Brother Raul Alviar Jr. from Brazil. Um, if you were here last time when he was here, it's, it's just incredible. Incredible. Going to have a great time uh, in Jesus' name. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Now we're going to read. I need, uh, I need Brother Andrew up there to stick with me. Brother Andy. Uh, because we're going to read all 16 verses of this passage, and then you can be seated. So starting in verse number one. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now, wouldn't that be popular in our culture today? But ladies and gentlemen, I really don't care what our culture thinks. Far more interested in what the Word of God says. Verse number 10, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I can't help myself. Verse number 13 is a rhetorical question. Verse number 14 is also intended to be a rhetorical question. Rhetorical question meaning that the answer should be obvious. Should be obvious. Verse number 15. But if a woman have long hair... It is a glory, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither 
the churches of God. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We're just excited to be a part of this. I'm in awe of the divine plan of God that included me. I give you all the praise and all the glory, all the thanksgiving and all the honor. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him be in this house tonight. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is going to be called Apostolic Distinctives. Apostolic Distinctives. You know, there's a lot of different groups out there in the world that use that word or that title, Apostolic. Um, there's even a, a faction within the Catholic Church that considers themselves to be apostolic. Um, and so when we talk about apostolic distinctives, we need to define, first of all, what the word apostolic means. And, uh, and it is amazing how many denominational groups, interdenominational groups, ecumenical groups, charismatic groups claim to be the originals. One of the phenomenon of the literary age, and make no mistake about it, the apex, the apex of human learning is not in the 20th century or in the 21st century. Now, unarguably, there is far more data that is available to human beings in the 20th century and in the 21st century. But that is not the apex of human intelligence. The apex of human intelligence historically was in the 19th century. In the 19th century, there was more religious literature that was being written than any other century. Um, and that's why just in my personal library, I have probably several million pages of commentary and study and whatnot, the bulk of it written in the 19th century. Um, they didn't have a lot of distractions. They were all on the heels. Don't, don't forget that they were all on the heels of the Reformation. The Reformation had gained several hundred years of strength and in that, it was, it, was, it was a breeding ground for religious study. <clears throat> On that wise, it was positive. Doctrinally, it was a complete failure. But on that wise, it was, it was a success in that, that there were so many people that took to the pen and page and the printing press, fully took advantage of it, and began to write everything from fictionalized material to word studies to commentary, so on and so forth. Interestingly, there are historical sociologists that tell us that really what mankind is doing as a whole is that we are now in the 21st century, we are going back to images we are not being literary-based like they were in the 19th century. We're going back to images, much like they were when humanity lived in caves with uh, petroglyphics and hieroglyphics, with uh, etchings and pictures on the cave walls. People are far more motivated by images than they are words in this culture. And so people that study these kinds of trends, I mean, there's people that this is all they do is they study the trends of, of the human race. And they're saying that we're going back to a far more subordinate um, existence than reaching for a higher dimension of living. I want to tell you, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name 
and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you are living the highest level of a human being in this world. Oh, yes, you are. In fact, we represent the future. Tomorrow is already here. But tomorrow is already here in the church of the living God in the sense that we as a race of people, we're neither Jew nor Greek, but when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible said that you have become a new creature. We are a new race. And so this is why it's critical that you don't allow yourself to be encumbered by the things of this world, of the things of this world that's going down. It all has a downward proclivity. It has a downward pull. It is, it is societal gravity. It's all going down. But you and I are on our way up. We don't really see it yet in the spirit, but we are already being prepared to go up. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I want to tell you, being in the church of the living God is the greatest thing that ever happened to me and happened to you. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. That's not almost right. That is right. And the Word of God tells us so. And so when you talk about being apostolic, um, I have a, a set of books in my, in my personal library that was written by a very prolific 19th century religious author by the name of Philip Schaff. Philip Schaff had one little area of expertise, and that was church history. He probably has some of the most voluminous works um, of church history over the last uh, 2,000 years um, of anybody. There's been other church historians, but this, this man just, he wrote volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes. I think his entirety of all of his works is like, I don't know, over 20 volumes, maybe even 30 volumes that chronicle the, what he considers to be the development of the church. Well, in the 19th century, he was a hardcore Presbyterian. And hardcore Presbyterians, um, he believed that they were a direct remnant from the day of Pentecost. If, I, if, if somehow I could wake him up Hello, Philip. Wake up. Philip, 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 Philip. Philip, yeah, yeah. Um, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Uh, no, you were baptized in the, yeah, in the tiles, yeah. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues just like they did in the Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost? Um, you believe in the Trinity, right? Yeah, the remnant of the Catholic Church that Martin Luther took with him when he started. Yeah, okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. You're not apostolic. If you're apostolic, you first have to get salvation right. Somebody in the back. You cannot be apostolic unless you first have salvific truth, which is the repentance of your sins, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. You are salvifically apostolic. Okay? But it is amazing how many people came out of the Reformation period that want to, they, they want to act like the Catholic Church didn't even exist. They want to go all the way back to the book of Acts, and they want to say, we believe just like Peter. It's amazing how many churches today believe, oh, we just believe just exactly like Peter, and we believe exactly like Paul, and we believe exactly like what, what, what John uh, talked about on the, on the Isle of Patmos, and he wrote the letters, and we, we're, 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 we're kin to them. Ladies and gentlemen, the only people that are kin to the apostles have been born again of water and of spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I think we ought to give God praise about that. That's a big deal. That is not some religious little deal. That is a big deal. If you don't have that, you ain't got nothing. 
I want to say that again. If you don't have that, you don't have nothing. You can go to church till your hair falls out. You can go to church till you're wearing false teeth. You can go to it. You can carry a Bible around until they put you in a casket. But if you have not gone down in the name of Jesus Christ and come out of the water speaking in tongues with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you really need it in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and give Him praise. Come on, let's get excited about that tonight. We are apostolic by design. We are apostolic by heritage. We are apostolic by the word of God and by spiritual obedience. That is a huge deal. Huge. Because there's a lot of people that are claiming to be apostolic that can't even spell it. And I'm not making fun. I, I couldn't spell it either when I got saved. I couldn't spell Pentecost. I thought it was Pentecost. I could say something real funny about paying tithes right now. Pentecost. But I won't. Listen, I didn't even have a decent job till I got saved. Somebody said, well, why would I want to get saved? I'm having so much fun. I got social media. I can look at anything I want to look. You don't even know, you, you don't even know what you're talking about. You, you've got the cheap version. You've got the demonic version. You have the world's version. But, honey, when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and feel joy, when you can belly laugh, when you know your name is written on the other side and there is no devil... Let's just take a minute and praise him. We haven't praised him near enough tonight. He called you out of darkness into this marvelous light that you would show forth the praises of him. So it's a big deal. Be, being apostolic is a huge, huge, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. But when we talk about apostolic distinctives, we are talking about things that we do that further demonstrate that we are apostolic. There's apostolic salvific truth, which begins with Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. But then you have, in Acts 2.42, you have apostolic procedure. You're starting to see the formation of procedure in the church. But then you have, as the Holy Ghost continues to lead men of God so that they spake as the Spirit of God gave them utterance, you see the formation and the definition of an apostolic lifestyle. And so when we talk about apostolic doctrine, and the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, that they continued steadfastly. It wasn't just enough to have the new birth experience. That's critical. But that's just like having a newborn child, and a newborn child has got to have nutrition as he continues to develop and grow. And then he's got to have instruction. And so when we talk about apostolic doctrine, by definition, we are talking about that which is salvific, that which is procedural, talking about church, church government, where we all fit in the body of Christ as saints, sanctification, justification, and some of those things. And then we talk about lifestyle, how we live. And that is, when we talk about apostolic distinctives, just those three things alone separate us already from the larger religious world because we are living in a culture today that just wants to go to a building and say, I've been to church. Can I tell you the truth? You are the church. This building is not the church. You're the church. When you step on the job, there's an angel there. When you step into the supermarket, God is there. Come on, somebody, help me out. I know it's Tuesday night, but we need, let's make this interactive here tonight. 
When you get out of bed in the morning and your feet hit the ground, God is there. You are the church of the living God. You are the purchased possession, the body of Christ. And so apostolic distinctives and understanding them are critical. And the reason um, that I'm going to talk about this particular passage of Scripture here in chapter number 11 is because it is an incredible example of how the biblical teaching, apostolic teaching, pulls together different realities, okay? Um, And I'm still in my preliminary remarks here tonight. But there are a lot of people that are on the outside looking at, listen, when I first came to an apostolic church and I saw women that had big buns, you know, I need to define that on their heads. I'm going to get in trouble and blow the whole service if I'm not careful. My wife is dying. Please forgive me for that. I wasn't born in this, okay? My brother invited me to church. I walked in, and a bunch of ladies looked like they just walked off the Mayflower. They looked like pilgrims. I said, dude, you're trying to get me to go from playing heavy metal to walk right into this group and join this? Are you, have you lost your mind? But they weren't ashamed. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed for obeying the word of God. I am not ashamed of living for Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed for speaking in other tongues. I am not ashamed for being modest. I am not ashamed for being separated from this world. Somebody in the back, clap your hands and give God the praise. If you're ashamed, if we deny him, he will deny us. Peter, I ain't denying Jesus. He didn't deny me. I owe him everything. But you know, people visit Cornerstone. They love what they feel. They don't understand what they're looking at. Somebody gave me a book years ago. You just thumb through the pages. All it is are different patterns. Pattern. You're looking at this book saying, man, what is this? This is crazy. What you're supposed to do is turn it to a page and just stare at it. And once you stare at it, there's another image that comes out of that pattern. Well, people, people come to a separated, and this is, this is in fulfillment of what I believe is happening in 2 Thessalonians when it talks about a great falling away, is you have a lot of quote-unquote Pentecostal churches. They're Pentecostal in experience, but they're ashamed of the separation. They don't think they can grow by being separated. I want to tell you what. You stay separated unto God, there ain't no power like a separated apostolic church. There is no demonstration of the glory and the power of an almighty God like in a genuine apostolic church. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and give him praise. And that is how you build a church. A lot of people come into an apostolic church, they don't know what they're looking at. What am I looking at? Well, I know what I was looking at. I was looking for the first boat out of there. Dude, I ain't coming back to this church. I walked in the door five minutes. They started running the aisles, almost doing handsprings, handstands, all kinds of crazy stuff. I said, man, they're no. not only do they look different, they act weird. You're not supposed to do that stuff in church. Little did everybody know, three weeks later, I had been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I was leading the pack. Got rid of all my rock and roll stuff, 
got a haircut, got a job, got a, got a, had one suit, one dress shirt, one tie, one pair of socks, one pair of dress shoes, and I wore those things out. I was not ashamed. I was not afraid. I didn't care what anybody thought. Worship is an apostolic distinctive. Let's give God the praise. Somebody here in the building, just go ahead and lift your voice. If you remember when he called you out of darkness and filled you with the power of another world. If that ever gets old to you and that old... Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I do. You're tired. I'll try to go easy on you. People don't know what they're looking at. Well, that's, we need to know that. We, we already know that. So we need to take a deeper, a deeper course of action. And already realize they don't understand what they're looking at. But if you and I will create an environment where the power comes down, Amen. you can get some hardened, just come out of prison, prison felon sitting in the back. And he may not be able to explain one thing, but all of a sudden a big old tear comes out of the corner of his eye because of the power of a living Christ. Truth, truth. The world is not going to be afraid when we tell them exactly what they've got to do to be saved. What the world is looking for is to see if you're ashamed of what you got. If you're afraid of what you got. When the world comes in and they feel and see something that is available nowhere else in this world, they're looking for somebody that is absolutely square-shouldered, flat-footed, and say, you can have this too. But if you start waffling around and you're actually kind of ashamed of this and you're actually, you know, kind of timid, they're going to say, I felt that spirit in the bar I was in last week. I felt that same fear on a bar stool. I felt that, come on, I'm trying to preach to you tonight. It ain't no time to be afraid. It's time to get that off you and be sold out. We didn't build this church on a bunch of weak need timidity. We built this church on people that said, if God's in it, God will do it. And that's how it's done. Clap your hands and lift your voice in the only name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Apostolic distinctives. I cannot, I probably could if I sat and thought about it long enough. But what is revealed here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 is so powerful and is a perfect. It's a perfect example of a biblical apostolic teaching that allows us to see in living color that the reality that transcends from the print on a page. Let's look at this together. Verse number one, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Verses one through three in this incredible chapter 
all have to do with headship, the divine order of creation and submission. Be ye followers of an apostle. Okay, we're talking about apostolic distinctives. So the apostle Paul says, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. So there's three entities that are there. There's Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul, and then the church. Are you all seeing that? Which means they that are in apostolic ministry are going to be in a position that other people will never be in. Now, I'm not putting anybody to the level of the Apostle Paul, but I'm just saying that Paul is saying, you follow me as I follow Jesus. I mean, we read his writings and so there is an expectation in being apostolic that we're going to follow the Apostle Paul as he is following Jesus Christ to the degree that he is receiving information, revelation, understanding directly from God. Verse number two, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. You don't hear that word ordinances a lot, but it literally means instruction, teaching. There's in other places that the Apostle Paul advised us to observe the traditions that are being handed down to us. And then verse number three. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So it's God, Christ, man, and woman. I don't need the Supreme Court to uphold that, it's in the Bible. I don't care if there's a bunch of protesters that do a bunch of goofy things because they're, they, they're senseless. The very first thing that's observed is the power structure, which is God, Christ, man, and woman. Now, women in our world, of course, not anybody here tonight, are taught to wear the pants in the family. I was raised in a household where my mom was kind of like that. She really did wear pants, but I'm talking about the authority figure in the house. She pretty much ran the house. That is not in the word of God. When you do that, when you have that, there's gonna be issues um, eventually. And please, somebody help me out with a praise the Lord or something. My goodness. I'm feeling like the Lone Ranger up here. Now, we're talking about apostolic distinctives. So there is an invisible chain of command. For lack of, a, for lack of a better term, there's an invisible chain of command that we are, that we are being told is there. It's God, Christ, man, and then woman. This was the divine order. This is the divine order that is in an apostolic assembly and in the apostolic church. Let's look at verse number four. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Because the head of the man is Christ, 
he is dishonoring Jesus if his head is covered. Now, there are some biblical expositors that believe that having his head covered is referring to long hair there. I believe it. I believe maybe that's true. Let's just assume that's true, but I believe it means more than that, to pray or prophesy with your hat on. If you're wearing a hat and it's time to pray, you take your hat off. Are you all apostolic tonight? I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. See, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not afraid of this. I want this. I've been dedicating 30 years of my life to this. And it is going to be virtually impossible for us to affect the spiritual dynamic in our world without us understanding the perimeters and the boundaries of our empowerment. I did not come to Spokane 28 years ago with my beautiful wife. My daughter was, was one year old when we moved here. I did not come here to get ran off because it was too hard. I did not come here to get flicked off because we got intimidated. My wife and I came here to do whatever we had to do to have a move of God. And thank God for all of you that have joined forces with us because look where we are tonight. Somebody needs to shout right now. Devil, it won't work. Rejoice not over me, my enemy. I'm not going to lay down. I'm not going to play Pentecost. I'm coming up, and I'm in your face. Somebody way over there, shout and give God the praise. Apostolic distinctives. Okay, every man entering into spiritual manifestation, praying or prophesying, dishonors his head, dishonors Jesus if his head is covered. Verse number five, but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now, verse 5 is referencing hair. It is referencing hair. And if you're a new convert and you just came in and you've been, oh, I'm speaking about a woman, and you've had your hair cut and dyed or Whatever. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, that is the last time you ever cut your hair, you touch your hair, because from that point forward, as far as God's concerned, you're good to go. You're totally innocent. It's long hair in his sight. Now, see, this is where I'm, I'm really, I know that I'm getting gone down a couple rabbit trails. I'm doing, myself to, I'm doing my best to rein myself in. But this is what I'm talking about, is that we are using information from another world to put into my life, regardless of what anybody thinks. You can't just say, well, I was baptized 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, and say that that was it. No, 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 no. There's got to be some fruit on the end of that branch. Somewhere there needs to be some fruit on the end of your branches. You've been here a while. And it begins with distinctives. Things that absolutely define you as being apostolic. Verse 6, well, let me just say this. Verses 1 through 3 deals with headship, divine order in creation, and submission. Verses 4 through 9 talk about honoring 
headship or dishonoring and reaffirming God's order as the sign of submission. For example, look at verse number seven. For if a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. <clears throat> that is a revelation of scripture. The woman is the glory of the man. The man is the image and the glory of God. And his wife is the glory of the man. The Apostle Paul re-emphasizes this. Look at verse number 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Okay, God formed Adam of the dust, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. He became a living soul. And then God took a portion of the side of man and formed a woman. So Adam was first formed and then Eve. So the woman is from the man, not the man from the woman. So not only do we have divine order, but we have God's creative order and a positional sign of submission. Somebody said amen. amen. Because the woman was created for the man, not the man for the woman, look at verse number 10. For this cause... For this cause, because the woman is the glory of the man, she needs a covering. She needs protection. For this cause ought the woman to have power. That word power is not dunamis, it is exousia. It means authority. For this cause, because the woman is the glory of the man. She needs authority over her, talking about a man, or if she's unmarried, her parents and the pastor, because of the angels. Verse number 10 is one of the most scrutinized theological investigations in the entirety of the New Testament because there is almost equal information that I'm going to share with you for it either being the good angels or it being demons. Let's start with the devil. You may remember in the book of Genesis chapter number three that Eve appeared to be all by herself talking to the devil. And after she was deceived, it says in the book of 1 Timothy, it brings greater definition. It said Eve was deceived, but Adam disobeyed. And so what did God do? God said, I'm going to put your husband to rule over you. That is not a subjugation of punishment. That was a subjugation for protection. Now, we're apostolic. This is the teaching on hair is one of the preeminent apostolic teachings in the entirety of the New Testament. But so few people really understand what that hair represents. But yet it's a distinctive that goes beyond just saying, you know what, I need to get a haircut. Or, no, I'm not going to touch my hair because the pastor said not to. You are going all the way back to creation. You are getting into the angelic realm. You are tapping into the supernatural of God's order. When you walk on the job tomorrow, you're not just somebody that goes to some weird group of people out there. You are carrying all of the divine revelation that is given from heaven into earth. 
of the purpose of the creation of Adam and Eve. Clap your hands and give God the praise. This is not a little tiny deal. This is a powerful thing. Hold your head up. Realize who you are. I know the world is getting nasty and ugly. I, I'm, I apologize for pontificating, but I just can't help myself. Where is the Department of Justice protecting our Supreme Court? It is, it is, I have never seen anything like it in my entire life. It's, 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 it's okay to riot. It's okay to burn down stores. It's okay to take over police precincts. And then that, and then that local government want to defund the police. Who are they going to call when somebody breaks into their house? It's insanity. Please forgive me for that. I digress. Well, at least somebody agreed with me. I'll take a crying baby at times like that. Let's me know I'm doing something right. Satan took advantage of Eve. Second Corinthians chapter number 11 is the New Testament commentary on that. Lest she be beguiled like Eve. Well, I don't care what my husband says. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm the spiritual one in the family because I just pray all the time. In your dreams. According to this, you're not the spiritual one in the family. If you were really spiritual, you'd have your house in order to where when your husband comes home, he already knows I'm the leader around here. I don't even have to enforce it. I don't have to live my voice. I don't have to get an attitude. My wife is the one that's spirit like old women of old like Sarah who never heard from God one time. Sarah never got a word from God. But she is the Old Testament figure that women are told to pattern themselves after. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Is this all right, brother and sister? Y'all can run anytime you want to. I'm just having fun. We got guys in this church that'll run, whether it's a slow song or a fast song. So I guess we're healthy. I get a little nervous when women get a little too spiritual. You're responding absolutely correctly right now. Because that usually means somebody's out of their place, especially when they start vocalizing it. And what really what that really means is if the husband is not saying, honey, hold off on that. Honey, let's pray about that. I'm not really sure about that. If the husband is not gauging that because he's the head. There could be another agency involved because the man was placed in that position to actually protect her from hearing from voices like Eve. But if a guy's not really acting like a man and he's a ding-dong... Sometimes the woman feels I've got to take I've got to take the lead because my husband is is a dud. He's not doing anything. He's not leading us in prayer. He's barely he's barely getting he's do, he's in secret. He's doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. And oftentimes a woman just says, "Bless God, we're going to have God around this house." I understand that more than I understand the other one. Why don't we just all lift our hands and ask for the grace of God so that we can all be what we're supposed to be so we can have the blessings of God on our homes and the blessing of God on our church and the blessing of God on our prayers and the blessing of God on our hopes and dreams. So God put Adam over Eve to rule over her. And that means to protect her from supernatural agency and to protect her because she has weaknesses. 
Now, that's, that's just one interpretation of that scripture in verse number 10. For this cause ought the woman to have authority on her head because of the angels. That's a perfect fit to say that the man is the protector because the devil can lie to her. But the other one is, and there's equal amounts, and they're not apostolic. They're just people out there that want to know more about the word of God. They've given their whole, some of these men that are, that are, that are commentators and, and, and authors have given their entire life to biblical study. They're not doing it to be evil and to mislead people. Some of them just don't have any Holy Ghost understanding like you and I do. It's amazing how many scriptures that I'll just start praying about and God will start breaking it down in my spirit until I can actually see it from the author's perspective. Because when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have the author and the finisher. You have the Alpha and the Omega, which is the Greek language, which the Septuagint was written in Greek. You have that in you. But the other interpretation of that is that the, the angels that are present with the heirs of salvation are there to monitor and to watch and to make sure that it's holy, holy, holy. And when a woman has uncut hair, she is a powerful force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God. There are angels that are there in attendance. So, as the pastor and as a student of God's word, personally, I think that the first interpretation is what that is talking about. I believe that that is a direct reference to Adam and Eve, that Eve was created for Adam, and after the fall, God put Adam in a known, it was a understood known posture to protect Eve because of the angels. Let's just lift our hands and thank God that we can understand things. There are people that act like this scripture is not even there. I'm getting ready to cover some of this because they can't obey it. They can, there's no way they can apply it. They don't have the power. They don't have the understanding. They don't have the supernatural faculty to do so. But you and I that have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, this is us. This belongs to us. This does not belong to a, in, a, in, a, in another assembly. This is not denominational. This is not, this is not something from the, from the middle 1500s. This is apostolic. That when you're obeying the word of God, there are angels involved. There is power involved. There is creation involved. After talking about angels, the apostle is now, he's not violating verses 4 through 9 because that's the order of creation. But what he is saying now in verses 11 through 13 is he's saying spiritually we're equal in God. My wife and I are equal before Jesus Christ. Jesus will answer her prayers and Jesus will answer my prayers. But her Adam is here to save her and to protect her. She has one of my ribs. So look what the apostle says. After introducing this revelation about angelic activity where there is cut hair or uncut hair, Look at what he says here in verse number 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. Well, that almost looks like it's a contradiction to what he said earlier when he said that the, the man is not of the woman, but the woman is of the man. No, he was talking about something different back then. He's talking about that they have, if you are both living for God and you're employing apostolic distinctives, God will answer my prayers and God will answer her prayers. And all the wives said, amen. And all the men said, amen. 
For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. So he is not contradicting what he said earlier. He's talking now about on a spiritual level playing field when we're both living right. We're both living right. Let's look at verse number 13. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Where was this written? This is written to one of the most chaotic Gentile churches of Asia Minor. They didn't know to follow Paul. They didn't know to follow Cephas. They didn't know whether to follow Apollos. They came not behind in any spiritual gift. Let me talk to you about Corinth, okay? This is a largely Gentile church. They had no understanding of the Old Testament. They're all Gentiles. There's, there's a, f- a few Jews in there. But the overwhelming majority of the, of the Corinthian church is Gentile. Modern-day translators say, we don't follow 1 Corinthians 11. Why not? Because it was just for that time in that city. Now, why do they say that? I'm going to tell you why they say that. Because there was a temple in Corinth to Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the mythological goddess of lust. Her son was Eros which is where we get the word erotic, is from her son Eros. She is the mama, and she is the mother of beauty and lust. And so as a, as a form of worship, there were many of those people that had various hairstyles and various configurations that was all used as a demonstration of worship to Aphrodite, even a temple of Apollos was there. That is hogwash. No, that, that part's very factual and historical. But to say that that is why Paul is writing that to the Corinthian church is hogwash. Because in verse number 16, he said, we have no other custom in the churches of God. It's if, if it's of God, this is to be followed in every apostolic church. Put verse number 16 up there, Andy. But if any man seem to be argumentative... Well, we don't have to do that in our church because that was just for then and that was just in that city. That is baloney. You never read this verse. If any man seemed to be argumentative or contentious, we have no such custom. In another translation, no other custom. Neither the churches of God. If it's an apostolic church, then they are going to follow this principle. Why? It has nothing to do with the temple. It has everything to do with creation. It has everything to do with the supernatural. It has everything to do with the power of God. It has everything to do with the angels. It has everything to do with who you are as a child of God. Clap your hands in Jesus' name. Man, you look at some of these Denominational people, and they pour out half their Bibles because they can't do it. They're taught it's just not, oh, we just don't do that. Well, do you get baptized? First Peter chapter 3 said, like as baptism doth now save us. Nah, we don't believe in baptism. What about Mark chapter 16, verse 16? Nah, we don't do that. How about Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Acts chapter 8, verse number 16? Acts chapter 10, verses 43 through 45? Acts 19, 1 through 6? Galatians chapter 3, 24 through 27. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, we don't do that. Baptism is not for us. I am telling you, I have never been more absolutely glad that I'm apostolic. God led me right to this. He didn't lead me to a charismatic deal. He didn't lead me to some phony baloney deal. He didn't lead me to the Toronto blessing. He led me to spirit and truth in the earth. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody lift your voice and give God the praise tonight. And let every devil know. I know who I am. So the rhetorical question is, 
Is it right? Is it orderly to have a woman pray or prophesy in your congregation uncovered? You and I in the, 20, in the 21st century are like, man, what's the problem with that? That shows how far removed we are. Go to verse chapter number 15, please. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a veil. Go home and look that up in your Greek expository dictionary. That word covering comes from the Greek word veil. It is a God-given veil. She doesn't need a second little doily. She doesn't need, if people wear it, I don't say anything to them. That's fine, whatever. They think they need a second covering. The first covering is your husband. See, they misinterpreted the first covering. They think the first covering is their hair, and they need an artificial covering. There is nothing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, that is artificial or man-made. This is all given to us by God. This is God's issue to the human race. This is God's expectation so that I walk. I'm walking with power. I'm walking with authority. I'm not some willy-nilly condemned in the corner, ashamed and afraid of what I am. you got to come out of that and realize that's what the power of the blood of the lamb is for and the word of your testimony. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise tonight. Her hair is given to her by who? Who gave her the veil? No, it's not VO5. It's not Breck. It's not some designer. It's not somebody in their world that we're running according to some worldly style. God, everything in these 16 verses is given by God and God alone. Everything. And that's why he said, if anybody has an argument with this, a problem with this, you're not fighting us. You're fighting God. Well, I love God. Well, why ain't you doing this? Well, I've been taught we don't have to do it. We can have a television. I can even drink every once in a while. What a sad day on Judgment Day that when the books are opened, they didn't even get the salvation part right. And if you don't get the salvation part right, it's doubtful you're going to get the distinctives. Pastor, this is hard. Hard? Oh, dude, I can preach hard. This is, man, I'm having fun talking about this. I love this. You know, this is the problem with some Pentecostal churches. They won't even talk about separation anymore. Separation's not what it used to mean. Separation's now. Well, we just don't we just don't go to that place. Well, if you got Hollywood in your home, it don't matter what you do around here. You can walk in, lift your hands, and act like you're you're walking on water. But if you go home and you got a big screen on the wall and you're watching the filth and bringing that into your children and defiling your peace, the angels are grieved. And the power of God is grieved. If you're doing things behind closed doors, it don't matter what you look like here. It don't matter what you do here. I am honored to be in this. What else can I give up? What else does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Come on, Abram, let's go. Let's go on a three-day journey. Let's give up something. Let's, let's lay something down. What can I do to please him? Everything, the reason why I picked 1 Corinthians 11 is because it brought the order of creation. It brought the angels. It brought the power of submission. 
everything that we do as apostolics brings the supernatural, brings divine order, separation from the world, holiness unto the Lord, how we talk, how I think, what I fantasize about, what I rebuke, what I cast down, what I entertain. Everything matters. You're going to give an account of every word spoken and unspoken, every thought, every deed, every action. Everything means something if you're apostolic. Welcome to a 21st century apostolic church that has apostolic distinctives. They're not for sale. I don't care what an organization says. I know what separation looks like. I know what holiness looks like. I know what pure living looks like. I know what conversation sounds like. I know what godly living feels like. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. Come on, somebody, clap your hands and lift your voice. You're in this. We're in this together. We are the divine mechanism on earth that is the forerunner of the future. It's the greatest privilege ever given to a mortal is to have apostolic distinctives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into this marvelous light. At one time I was going to hell, but now your word says I'm waiting for a trumpet. I used to be led by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. But now I'm filled with the power of God that leads me from faith to faith and glory to glory. Let's lift our hands and love him. You know what? There might be somebody here tonight that wants to pray. Saying, God, I never realized this thing was so big and so important. Had so many moving parts to it. Had so much dynamic and dynamism attached to this. This altar's open. Maybe somebody wants to pray. Maybe somebody just wants to come and thank the Lord. Praise him that you didn't die in a car crash. When you blacked out behind the wheel, you actually made it safely home so you could be here tonight. You could have a testimony. This altar's open. In Jesus' name.